The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope, for Tuesday, March 19th. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, here with my guest, Dr. Marvin Anderson. Dr. Anderson is board certified in internal medicine and in clinical nutrition. He practices in Michigan and established Abba's Place for the care of children with autism. And Dr. Anderson is the author of the book, Autism Prevention, Care, and Management. Welcome, Dr. Anderson. Thank you, Terry. Dr. Anderson, how long have you been practicing medicine? Oh, a long time, about 45 years. Okay, and what were children like when you were growing up? Well, they, they certainly were uh, a lot more carefree. The play, playgrounds were more filled, you know, and um, they weren't, uh, they were basically healthier. They weren't watching a lot of television or didn't have computers. There was a lot more sandlot ball, and the families ate together their supper. Okay. You mentioned more children on the playgrounds, and I don't know if you think that's a function of more television watching or more uh, the function of the health of children, a testimony to that, but what was the health of children like decades ago, earlier in your medical career? Well, you'll have to remember that I'm not a pediatrician, so uh, as an internist, I, you know, I haven't been seeing um, children for years and years, but, um, but I certainly, you know, of, from reading and from my experience of talking with these children now, see that there's there's much more, um, you know, autism, uh, ADD, uh, asthma, and allergies now than there were decades ago. So it sounds as if, you know I shouldn't put words in your mouth, but it sounds as if you believe there's been a rise in chronic childhood diseases. There certainly has been, Terry. And as we get on with our discussion, I think we'll look into some of the mechanisms of why these things are happening. Okay. And now, the million-dollar question for this program, anyway, do you believe that there's an autism epidemic? Why, I sure believe that there is one, and I have a couple figures here. You know, 25 years ago, as we all know, the incidence of autism was 1 in 2,500. Ten years ago, it jumped to 1 in 166. The CDC study released uh, last year, which is really, at that time, was more than a four-year-old study, disclosed that the incidence of autism in school-aged children was 1 in 88. And remember, boys are affected much more often than girls. And even right now in Korea, the incidence is 1 in 38 children. Okay. 
So these are staggering, alarming figures. And in fact, there was a CDC autism alarm, and alarm is in all caps and an acronym. People can look it up. Um, and um, so there is this epidemic. A lot of people try to say that it's better diagnosis, yet these are the CDC's own figures. You know, if they want to go ahead and, and respect the CDC, then these are the CDC's own figures. So how can people say it's just better diagnosis as if doctors way back when in your generation weren't smart enough to recognize a child who wasn't talking when they were an adolescent or who wasn't potty trained when they were an adolescent? What do you think about that? I don't think that that's diagnosis just by because we're more aware is the case. You know, I remember when I was an intern, now we're going back to 1964, they brought a little child into the emergency room, and the child was speechless. And, uh, you know, uh, certainly that child had autism. And, um, and so, the, uh, you know, I, I, I recognize that there was something wrong with that child. The, the, I don't agree at all with the fact that this is just a statistical error. I think it's real. Yeah, um, why? Why? Why is it real? Why do you think the House of Children has degraded so? Why do you think we've had an autism epidemic? Well, Terry, thank you for asking that question. That's a very important one and a good one. Uh, the answer, I would say, is first of all, uh, we've changed. Our food choices are terrible. The most common family supper, you know what it is now? It's takeout food. You know, the soil on which the food is grown is depleted in nutrients. The book Empty Harvest describes that very well. It was depleted before World War II began. The crops are loaded with harmful chemicals, and uh, they're, they're shown for 60 years to be poisonous to living things. And, you know, if you poison one living thing, you're going to poison another. There, there's no selective killing there with these pesticides. Fertilizer, commercial fertilizer... Terry is loaded with industrial waste products as toxic metals used as fillers. That's a point which we bring out in the book and is little known, but our subsoil is contaminated with all these industrial wastes. So that would be like our food choices. The environment similarly is terrible. We live under dark skies and in dirty water. You know, nearly 3,000 chemicals produced in excess of 1 million pounds a year. 3,000 chemicals produced in excess of 1 million pounds a year in, in the United States. Only 12 of them have been tested for neurodevelopmental toxicity according to the EPA standards. And yet, we suspect most of these things are neurodevelopmental toxins. So, in summary, first of all, the food is terrible. Secondly, the environment is terrible. Thirdly, Terry, children are more sensitive to all of the above than adults are. The newborn developing brain is exquisitely sensitive to, the chem to its chemical toxic damage. You know, uh, Landrigan, Philip Landrigan, Dr. Landrigan, talks about a window of vulnerability that opens up in embryonic and fetal life and has no later counterpart. You remember last week when you interviewed, or last month when you interviewed Dr. John Robb, he talked about how the small animals got sick with the vaccinations more than the large ones did. So those, they're, they're equivalent to children by weight. You know, they're smaller and they're littler. No wonder. Biochemical individuality is a fourth point because it predisposes some, some people, some children, by virtue of their genetic makeup, 
uh, to be more sensitive than others. Now, in our book, we call these little ones the yellow canaries, like the canaries in the mine, and it's our job to liberate them. And I would think another point is that all of these things that I've mentioned, all of them, are, are not being recognized or dealt with. But I'd like to end this thing with a ray of hope in that there is a plan of attack. The plan of attack, first of all, is avoidance of these harmful contaminants. And the second part of it, which we'll get to later, I, I believe, is the underlying role of the liver in this process and how the liver has been damaged and what can be done about it. Okay, so Dr. Anderson, you've mentioned external and internal contaminants. Um, the the air that we breathe that at least gets to go through, you know, the filter of our body's defenses, and then the internal com- contaminants such as uh, toxins and vaccinations that bypass um, our body's usual defense mechanisms. How long have you been specializing in helping children who have the diagnostic label of autism? Well, for about 11 years now. Okay. And can you, before we go to break, give our listeners a brief overview of the underlying legitimate physiological issues in autism that need to be and can be remediated? Well, I'd like to do that, and and it's going to have to be short because it's a very complicated subject. First of all, I would say inflammation. Inflammation in the body, um, if it causes a, a terrible problem, it certainly has its origin in the gut, and we'll talk about the gut-brain connection. And I'll get back to inflammation in a second. But uh, the second thing is oxidative stress. Oxidative stress, as you know, is an excess of free radicals, and free radicals uh, are things that um, are cause, that cause aging, and it, they especially damage the mitochondria, and Dr. Dr. Fry has done a wonderful job of describing um, this, how this oxidative stress hurts our energy systems in the body. The third thing I would think maybe would be genetic uh, predisposition, little genetic SNPs, predisposing to detoxification impairments. And a good example of this would be how we handle folic acid and whether or not we can convert it into the active form. And finally, I would say in in my book, there's a deficit in natural oxytocin, which comes from poor nurturing early in life, no breastfeeding, and oxytocin, as we'll find out later, Terry, is very important in the healing of the gut and in the brain. And if we just have a second, as, as far as inflammation I'd just like to say that if you take tryptophan, and uh, it should go to serotonin, but in the presence of chronic stress, which is mediated by cortisol, which is a natural prednisone, you know, by, by cortisol, that pathway is shifted over from making serotonin to making quinolytic acid. And quinolytic acid is the last dying gasp of a dying brain. So we have to avoid this in all situations. So I'd like to end up here by just saying that stress is terrible. It has to be avoided. In addition to that, the immune stimuli and infections, excess infections, all add to this conversion to quinolytic acid and to the to, to damage of these delicate little brains. All right. I can go along with stress being terrible. But what about um, all the moms who may be listening who nurtured and loved their children very well and breastfed? Well, um, that, that is, that's wonderful. And, and, and that, if that occurred, 
you know, all along, then I think we'd have a much... This is a complicated question. There are many factors which are, which are inter, in, interplaying here. And I have an idea, you know, that in certain circumstances, the genetic predisposition, if you will, you know, and how it was expressed, you know, and the environmental chemicals that these people couldn't avoid all played a very important role that, um, that you know, that had its effect despite the best of nurturing and breastfeeding. And all right, and for, with that, we're going to go to break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We want to thank this program sponsor, Humpback Dairies of Miller, Missouri, providers of healthful camel's milk, a whole food. They can be reached at 417-848-7570, or you can go to the Autism One website at www.autism1aotismone.org, or autism1.org, and you can click on the channel. We'll be right back here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling. Whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Dr. Marvin Anderson, and he's the author of Autism Prevention, Care, and Management. And I find um, a lot of issues that uh, parents in the autism community are interested in uh, in this book. And you can check out the website, www autism at, and that's really at, spelled out, autism at ABBAS, A-B-B-A-S, place.com, www.autism at ABBAS, place.com, and of course, no apostrophes in the website address. So, Dr. Anderson, before the break, we were talking about a brief overview of underlying physiological issues in autism, and you mentioned inflammation, the gut, oxidative stress free radicals, the mitochondria, 
uh, genetic predispositions towards detoxification impairment, for example, oxytocin, and situational stress as opposed to oxidative stress. So these were all different factors that you mentioned. You had also mentioned environmental uh, toxic load. And where do you start with a patient and family with all of that when they come into your office? Well, first of all, I'd like to, to make sure that both parents are present, you know, and, and aboard. Um, and oftentimes the dad just doesn't have the understanding or even the desire to understand that the mom has, but it's important that he have some basic uh, understanding. So I like to have them both come in, and before they do that, we have a, a, a nice questionnaire that uh, Dr. Nancy O'Hara has been kind enough to let us use, and it's a 24-, 26-page questionnaire, which they prepare beforehand, and we review before the, before the meeting. And uh, then the first meeting, you know, we really ask them you know, what they want, and, and we try to address that. And we start looking at the things that they are most concerned about and make sure that when they leave that day, at least, they have some, some, something under their belt that they can go home with that they can be satisfied with. And usually it's, it's behavior. In other words, the moms want the dad's behavior to get better? <laughs> well, that's a good point. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't find a lot of people that I hear about, you know, concentrating on the dad's health. And I know I've talked with Dr. Dittman on this show, and uh, he finds dad's health to be important in the preconception question as well. So you're having the family there all together, and then what's your, your next... Um, line of action? Are you looking at objective laboratory tests? Well, after we, after we complete the history and do the physical examination, you know, looking for things like that red rectal ring uh, and, uh, uh, you know, the, of the fungal infection in the GI tract, the next thing we do is we, we do try to get going with one of the uh, early important laboratory tests. And Dr. Stephanie Cave has helped me a lot with this and mentioning early on, you know, that the, uh, the organic acids test is oftentimes one of the first things that she orders. You know, we always like to have some baseline laboratory work, Terry, you know, from the standard laboratory that insurance usually pays for, you know, a CBC and a metabolic profile, an iron level like a ferritin, vitamin D. And uh, we also... Uh, Early on, as soon as we can, like to have some idea of folate metabolism, the MTHFR uh, test, you know, which is now being um, done in, in, in several places, and usually insurance will cover. So we, um, I, I would say, the next step after that would be uh, oftentimes the uh, the complete digestive stool analysis, and uh, and then we may get on later on to things like food allergy testing and more specific genetic and detoxigenomic testing. Now, have you heard lately about cerebral folate deficiency? Is that anything to do with what you were talking about with folate? Yeah, you know, Dr. Dan Rosignol has done a nice job helping us with the cerebral folate uh, problem and its uh, connection with, you know, with milk and also its requirement, Terry, for a much, much larger doses of 5-methyhydrotetrafolic uh, acid, leucovorin factor, you know, calcium leucovorin as it's called, than we had been using before. 
And fortunately, these doses are commercially available, and uh, I think it's a big overlooked item. I, I don't get to the point of doing folate antibodies in the cerebral spinal fluid, but I surely am using much larger doses of the metabolically active form of folic acid than I have used before. And under proper medical oversight, um, this therapeutic intervention is available to families, and uh, you can get testing that is not invasive testing. That is, you don't have to have, the, you know, the spinal tap. Um, so that is available to families. If anybody would like an article about this, about a child who improved, uh, please email me at terry, T-E-R-I dot aranga, A-R-R-A-N-G-A, at yahoo.com. We have articles about... Uh, uh, mitochondrial issues and cerebral folate deficiency, et cetera, uh, from Autism Science Digest that we can email on over to you. So you've talked about um, different aspects of the body, Dr. Anderson. You've talked about objective laboratory testing. Is any body system more essential to address first in your book, the liver, the gut? Well, you know, Terry, there's an old saying, and the saying is the road to health is paved with good intestines. And I really, um, I, you know, even though I'm sort of a liver man or a liver lover, if you will, uh, but, the, um, but the GI tract has such a, um, a, a role in, 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 in autism. As autism, I believe, is a below-the-belt disease, and it certainly has manifestations all over the body, and we can talk about that. But, okay, uh, wait, wait a minute. Did you say the road to health is paved with good intestines? Right. That's clever. <laughs> well, you're going to have to thank Maureen McDonald for that. Oh, okay. I, I sort of picked it up and used it. The road right, hold to on. Health. I'm going to email her right now. You picked up your intestines and used it? Okay. So <laughs> keep going. Uh, it, it, so at any rate, so, you know, really, um, I... I Oftentimes, there's a great problems in the intestine, and it has such an issue that your Kriegsman has brought out with behavior, you know, and behavior is such a, is such a problem, and sleep, you know, so that really, I, I really uh, go for what we can find out to remediate in the intestine, and that includes both the organic acids test and the comprehensive stool analysis, Terry. Okay, now why would there be a connection between the gut and sleep? Is that because impaction can cause pain? Is that because gut bugs can cause effect in the brain? Or is that because a pathological gut and dysbiosis can affect neurotransmitters? Well, I think, um, you know, those are all good suggestions. I, I'd like, to, um, I'd like to, to, to think that, you know, if you have a leaky gut, the border guard is not there. And so, the, the gate is open, and what has happened are these molecules can get in, and uh, they can get up into the brain, these synthetic molecules, and they're, as you know, they're false neurotransmitters. That means that some of these compounds, like NutraSweet and aspartamine, there's something in the brain called an NMDA receptor, and these, uh, these substances stimulate that receptor. So, so it could be that they're sneaking through, and in, 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 in causing um, this behavioral problem, constipation is a, is a big issue. And another big issue, Terry, is that these little, little ones 
they can't tell you that they're in pain. And so all they can do is sometimes act it out. And especially if you see them bending over a piece of furniture to put pressure in their abdomen, you'll know that they're trying to send you the message. Right. So whether it be at home or at school, if you, uh, if you see a child acting out, the first most humane and merciful question to ask is if this child is having a physiological issue that causes pain. Imagine how you would feel at work if you had a pounding headache or you had a, a, a gut-wrenching stomach ache. You wouldn't feel like doing your work. And putting a behavior plan, simply putting a behavior plan in place for real legitimate physiological pain is not merciful. So, uh, and if listeners are interested, there is a book coming out soon called Bugs, Bowels, and Behavior, The Groundbreaking Story of the Gut-Brain Connection. It has chapters from Dr. Krigsman and Dr. Rosignol and many others in it, uh, and that can be found on Amazon.com. So, Dr. Anderson, um, you were talking about the gut and uh, that clever statement, the road to health is paved with good intestines. And so many doctors have found the gut to be a foundational issue in autism. Um, how is the gut connected to the liver? Well, um, uh, and I would like to just talk a little bit about <clears throat> perhaps the, the gut being connected to the brain in another way. Okay. And that is, if I may, that they are both derived from the same embryologic or, organ, uh, tissue. Wow. So, so Martha Welch in Columbia, Dr. Welch has, has done a nice job on, on showing in experimental animals that when the gut inflames, the brain inflames, and vice versa. And I think this is a, uh, and, and the mechanism that she gets to reverse this is by the continuous administration of oxytocin and secretin. Now, remember the secretin was used years ago, and it has some effect. But the, the point is, is that it has to be continuously administered. And I'm not an advocate at this point of, of using a lot of um, exogenous uh, oxytocin. I like that would be like a spray or things like that. I'd like to see that generated uh, by the body. And there are ways of doing that. So um, I think one of, the, uh, one of the ways that we have to uh, be aware of when we try to treat the intestine, is, is that there's a concomitant inflammation of the brain. And if you don't deal with both of them, you're not going to get either one well. So uh, I think sometimes we spend too much time in the intestine and don't work on the importance of, of, the, of the inflammation in the brain. And if we put more attention to that, then I think that both organs would heal. Okay, so when the gut inflames, the brain and flames. We're going to take a break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness channel and uh, come back with our guest, Dr. Marvin Anderson, whose website is www.autismatobbisplace.com. If you'd like to check that out during the break, we want to thank our sponsor, Humpback Dairies of Miller, Missouri. They can be reached at 417-848-7570, or you can go to the Autism One website, wwwautism one .org and click on the camel. We'll be right back.
opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Every weekend, take some time out of your schedule for new reflections featuring Dr. Adam Rubenstein. It's a show about all things aesthetic, from skin care to plastic surgery, health and beauty. You'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for new reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Dr. Marvin Anderson, author of Autism Prevention, Care, and Management. He's board certified in internal medicine and in clinical nutrition and practices in Michigan, having established Ovid's Place for the Care of Children with Autism. Dr. Anderson, before the break, we were talking about the gut, and now could you please tell us about the importance of the liver and how to help that? I'd be happy to, Terry. You know, it, it's, a, it's, an, it's an amazing thing that we haven't recognized this in this country, although Dr. Cabot in Australia, even from the 1990s, has begun to... She talked to a pathologist there, and, and, and he said, you know, the liver is really a filter. And so she started thinking about that, and, and she developed a, um, a process or a, a regimen for addressing the fact that this that everybody has a liver and that the liver is very important to our body because it clears our body of toxins in, a, in a sort of the function of a filter. And in this chemical age, this filter can easily become overloaded. Now, when the liver becomes overloaded, it ceases to do a lot of its functions. Like, for example, it has 500 processes. These molecules that we expose it to, these toxins, you know, they're new to nature. They're what Sir McFarlane Burnett uh, described as beyond the biologic experience. They're five-sided bolts that we just don't have the wrenches to take care of. And so what happens? They get stuck and lodged in the liver for years and even decades. And in the meantime, the liver is scratching its head trying to detoxify these substances while it begins to do this. The other functions of the liver are, are not well attended to. Fat isn't metabolized and a fatty liver develops. But even more importantly than that, what happens is, is, is that if the liver is 
not able to perform its filtering function, its job is to protect the immune system from overload. And if the liver is not doing that, the immune system then has to deal with these toxins. On top of that, and it, it, it ends up getting immune dysregulation with things like uh, autoimmune diseases, rheumatoid arthritis, allergies, you know, rashes, and so on. But more importantly, when the liver is unable to handle the toxic load that's imposed on it, uh, these compounds are, are fat-soluble. They're not able to be processed in the liver, so they spill over into the bloodstream, and they end up getting, them, getting settled in organisms and organs in the body that are high in fat because these compounds are fat-soluble compounds. They're organic compounds or toxins or synthetic nutrient-nature molecules. And the organs that are high in fat in body include the, uh, the endocrine organs and the brain. So the brain, Terry, sucks these things up like an iron uh, is drawn to a magnet. And there they have their adverse effect. I like to say that no matter what kind of contaminants enter the body, and no matter how they enter, whether it's the water we drink, the air we breathe, through the skin, through food or medicine, prescription medicine, non-prescription medicine like acetaminophen, you know, immunizations, they pass into the bloodstream and end up in the body's great filter, the liver. There they are trapped and inactivated and prepared for elimination from the body. So the liver is a gateway to the rest of the body. But as I said before, in this chemical age, the liver is easily overloaded. And as these toxic substances slip past the overburdened liver and enter the blood circulation, they begin damaging other organs, especially and in including the brain. And this, I believe, in the immune system is the seat of how autism has its beginning. Okay, so um, you talked about some interesting things here. You talked about that if the liver is so busy detoxing, it's not going to um, have time to concentrate on processing fat. Did I hear you correctly on that? Uh, that's correct. You know, okay. Terry, there is a, a pathologist in our hospital who was, uh, I just had lunch with him the other day, and, and he was telling me, you know, that we have this, un, this unprecedented incidence of liver disease. They call it cryptogenic. That means we don't know the cause of it. And uh, it's fatty liver, and, uh, you know, they can non-alcoholic, fatty liver, and then going, going on to cirrhosis without a cause. And wow. frankly, what I think we're dealing with here is, is, is the fact that the, the mitochondrial, the energy systems of the liver, you know, are being damaged. And, uh, and, and so uh, the, the liver is unable to do its function. And even in just recently, they have been using for statin, you know, uh, cholesterol-lowering drug uh, chemicals, uh, uh -huh. statin, so on. Chemical for statins now, for the muscle pain, they've been using coenzyme Q10 and L-carnitine. These are traditional doctors. Terry, those are some of the mainstays in the management of, of acquired mitochondrial disorders and mitochondrial disorders that are genetic. So we, um, I, I think, we're, I think the, the, that's the reason that we're seeing these problems. All right, so you've talked about a lot of things here uh, that are in need of remediation. Uh, are, you oversee Abba's Place, and I want to get to, in a little while, 
uh, the special uh, therapeutic role of animals at Abba's Place, but how do you address these other things you've talked about at Abba's Place? Uh, well, uh, could you be a little more specific? Well, you've talked about, you know, the liver, and you've talked about the gut, and um, I'm just asking for some uh, either new information or reiteration about you're going to help they come there with those things. Yeah, well, certainly. Uh, you know, I, I, for one thing, I very much like to clean up the diet, to get the chemicals out of the diet, to have pure, wholesome food, organic food, you know, if possible, food that's pure and fresh and nutrient-dense and, if at all possible, homegrown. That means you have a garden. You know, that, that we want to have a safe and non-toxic environment and all the chemicals you know, that are present. People should learn how to read the label. You know, if you can't pronounce it, it's probably not good for you. Uh, the next thing is we like to have people, Terry, take a, a distance themselves from all forms of contamination. The, the farther away you are for them, the better. You know, air, food, water, it, 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 the more distance you can put between you and, and these, if it means moving, uh, away, if you're, if it's possible for you, we'll talk about that later. A family has done that with great success. Uh, that's that's of course the ultimate. Uh, I I insist, you know, that on a gluten-free, casein-free, soy-free, and corn-free diet to start with, you know, and that would be an adjunct to this natural lifestyle that we're advocating. And we, I think that people really need to um, to seek uh, somebody. Uh, who can identify the problem, and in this case it would be myself, but I'm giving advice to other families to find a practitioner, you know, who understands nutrition and detoxification and, and, and knows how to, uh, to provide supplements without being terribly expensive. And then lastly, uh, what I really am emphasizing right now is the importance of, if you will, loving your liver. You know, reading the books that Dr. Cabot, Dr. Sandra Cabot from Australia has uh, put forth, you know, she sold five, uh, two million copies of these books, like the Liver and Bowel Book and the Liver Cleansing Diet. I follow these books. I take these supplements myself, and I follow her regimen, which is one of healthy foods, raw juices, and uh, natural uh, liver support herbs and that, are, that are coming really from the garden and other elements in the support schedule that includes things like generators of glutathione and all the B vitamins. And then, of course, I think de-stressing as well as you can is important. All right, so now you're at this organic um, family farm, you know, cleaner environment, less stressful environment, and you now have room for... These uh, these animals and they're at Abba's place. And what's the special therapeutic role of them for kids? Well, you know, I would like to tell you that uh, the, these little ones, when they come, you know, for a visit, you know, they go and they see the animals and they go away better. But you know, that's just not what we see. They're in so much. Uh, some of them, hon, are so much in their own world. Know that they that they can't even appreciate the animals. The parents do, uh, but uh, the uh, exposure also has to be uh, has to be more continuous. Now, the benefit of the animals are twofold. First of all, the animals uh, convey 
uh, 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 they cause an elevation of oxytocin in the person's body and in the animal body. As you know, oxytocin is the hormone of domestication and, and socialization. And Meg Olmert, in her book, Made for Each Other, describes just that, that we and little loving animals like goats and sheep were really made for, made for one another. So you see that as the children maybe have these animals themselves, and, and, and that is possible, if they have a little goat or a little sheep of their own, they will have higher oxytocin levels. And we talked earlier before that that's what heals the gut and the brain. It's very important. And then the second benefit of animals is, is that they convey, uh, they have in their, in their manure, and the animals that we have here have very inoffensive manure, just like little rabbit uh, manure. It's just very inoffensive, and it's rich in, um, in biologic and uh, live organisms. And so when you put uh, 30% of manure, of this, of this manure is living organisms, and when you put this on your garden soil, the, the, uh, the soil becomes alive, and you're not putting dead chemicals on it. And these little organisms break up the, 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 uh, the chemicals, uh, the, the, the minerals in the soil, and it's the tiny particles that plants can absorb. So the big question is then, and the bottom line is, is that why do we have these animals? And I think the best answer is, is that they are models. We're, what we have here is a model, and we encourage families to see this lifestyle and see this natural way of living and, and, uh, and then adopt it, and we provide them, you know, a, a model and, a, and an encouragement for that to happen. And later on, I'll describe uh, how fruitful this endeavor really can be. Well, I must say, with all the quote-unquote manure um, talk that I've had on this program over the years, I don't believe I've ever had um, that perspective. I like how you describe the manure as making the soil alive and not having to put dead chemicals on it. So we're gonna we're gonna blaze right through the break um, and continue with um, my hope that you'll please share what your most important five quick take-home messages and to-do list items are for parents who already have a child who's diagnosed. That could be something like substituting non-toxic household cleaning products or throwing out the Twinkies. So what are your, your five top tips? You would like me to say those now? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll be really quick because I've mentioned them before and yet they bear repeating we have to clean up the diet. We have to have a safe, non-toxic environment. We have to get as far distant as we can from the contamination. We certainly at least need to start with a gluten-free, casein-free, soy-free, corn-free diet and follow as closely as possible a natural lifestyle. We need to have a physician who knows and understands autism and the deficiencies and the toxicities and how to manage with them and then finally, I think we really have to get a better grasp on what's going on in the liver, why it's not working, and how to fix it. Okay. So, you know, when you're talking, you remind me of the Amish people. I mean, the type of lifestyle you're talking about could remind one of the Amish people. Um, their diet, cleaner diet, a more non-toxic environment, uh, far from contamination. I don't, I don't think they're GFCF, but... For our kids, that's been important for so many of them, gluten-free, casein-free diet, a natural lifestyle. Um, 
a physician who really understands the legitimate physiological issues underlying an autism diagnostic label and um, how to remediate that. Um, I don't think the Amish have to deal a lot with that because um, they don't vaccinate and they don't, you know, there's not much autism there. Um, And then grasping what's going on with the liver. So have I reiterated your points well? You did very well. And, you know, I noticed uh, this morning I was looking at the agenda of this wonderful uh, conference that's being planned here now for Memorial Day weekend at the end of May. And I see there are people there who have written books, uh, you know, on the, uh, in, in, in which they've mentioned the Amish and how autism is so rare. And, and, and they mention, you know, how infrequently the Amish vaccinate and, and how this study, which should have been done uh, by, but, you know, has even been recommended by the head of CDC and yet never has been done. I think if the study would have been done, they would have been, uh, they would be uh, enlightened as to why the Amish have such a low incidence of autism. And I think it's really for three reasons. First of all, the natural, clean lifestyle. And second of all, their, uh, their lack of, uh, of, a, of an aggressive, one-size-fits-all immunization schedule. And thirdly, they have deep spiritual values which uh, affect their choices in life all to their advantage. Okay. Uh, and you alluded to um, books and Age of Autism by Mark Blaxel and Dan Olmsted. That's an excellent book. I had them on a while ago, and I was really impressed by the quality of that book. So I encourage listeners to pick up a copy of Age of Autism. So you've been helping families, and I'd like you to please share some success stories when parents have changed their child's diet, added high-quality, uh, non-contaminated supplements, etc. Well, um, there is, a, first of all, a, a, a little girl that had a severe behavioral problem. Uh, she was uh, adopted, and, uh, and her mother was addicted to a number of substances, and she would, she, she, they, you know, she kept the entire family up all night long. And um, what happened was um, the mother brought her here, and we started doing some testing. And uh, we ended up having to do, to do a lot of work with her GI tract, and we found out that she, not surprisingly, had a toxic metal burden. And, uh, and so we worked on that with the common Dr. Jim Adams's. Uh, wonderful paper on DMSA. We, we just used that, and we helped her with her digestion. And now, just to quote, it's on the back of the book, the last sentence, now Amanda is a sweet, gentle, calm little girl, so present, and by God's grace, so full of normal life. So that would be one, one story, hon. And the other one is, a little, uh, is an interesting story of um, a young man that had uh, Asperger's disease, but he was uh, so so cruel, and uh, the, the the family was really not um, n- not a happy family because uh, of the stress that was going on because of his behavior. And they came here, and they saw, and they listened, and they used us as a model. And I, I, if you would like to take a look at the you know, people would like to take a look at the uh, um, Amazon.com reviews of the book um, 
Following Dr. Anderson's guidance, our family has made some significant changes in the last few years. We moved out of the city and bought a house with some land where we grow our own food and raise chickens. Our air and water are cleaner, and we know where much of our food comes from. We also have reduced the stress in our lives by spending more time reading, playing outside, and tending our animals and garden rather than sitting in front of the TV and participating in endless after-school activities. We also make sure to keep the allergens and toxins in our house low by using all natural cleaning and household products and getting rid of the carpet. At first, I didn't believe these things would make a difference, but they have. We now feel that we wouldn't go back to the old life for anything. All of our family are much happier and healthier. Right. Well, Dr. Anderson, in the uh, five minutes remaining, I would like to to talk about uh, what could be a, a heavy topic. It's about lots of people directing blame towards genetics, even though it's impossible to have a genetic epidemic. And then lots of money can get sunk into prenatal testing. But even if a prenatal test were to show a predisposition, is that a harbinger of doom or can we prevent an autism diagnosis when that child is born into the world? Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, uh, Dr. Jeff Bland has done a great job of this over the years and saying we are not hardwired into our genes, you know. The genes are a roadmap, but the expression of the genes, you know, is controlled by our nutrition. And so uh, the, the, even if a, uh, there would be a, a genetic uh, abnormality, you know, the, that does not mean that the little individual would end up having a problem. It depends upon how the genes are bathed in, good, in, what, in a good or a bad nutrient solution, and if there's... Um, a lot of uh, helpful, uh, good chemicals and nutrients and food there, you're, not, you're just not going to have that problem. It'll at least be very, very much uh, less likely. I can think of um, in, in the book here uh, that uh, autism prevention care and, and, and management, Dr. Cabot, uh, writing in the, uh, in the, in the uh, forward, mentions how do we repair genetic faults. And she suggest that we use selenomethionine and, 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 and vitamin and uh, folic acid in foods high in vitamin C and vitamin E and help our livers detoxify. So this is not a death sentence, and I don't think that uh, people should put much emphasis on uh, this genetic testing at all uh, because much can be done and should be done and can be done with success. And children with autism, uh, the diagnostic label of autism, have uh, recovered or significantly improved. Oh, so, yes, they have. Yes. And uh, if parents would like more information about that, and especially to hear from other parents um, whose children have improved, you know, do, do uh, visit with them over at the Autism One Conference in May. Lots of encouragement there. So... Dr. Anderson, do you have any closing thoughts? What do you think will end the autism epidemic? Well, thank you, Terry, uh, for having me on and also for giving me the opportunity to, um, to, to mention the, um, the importance of the liver 
and the importance of liver cleansing, I think the one thing, the three things that will really stop autism is a comprehensive program of testing, you know, so that, um, so that the... I'm sorry, did you say my phone beats? I apologize. A comprehensive program, a program of, of, testing? Of, of, of testing, you know. You, the, certainly the, 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 uh, the little baby, when, he, uh, when, when the child is born, you know, there, there, are, there are ways of, uh, of looking at his, maybe his glutathione level and his, his, his or her genetics, uh, you know, uh, folate deficiencies, and, and a lot can be done there. Dr. Berger has done a, such a great work. He's going to be talking at the conference, too, Dr. David Berger, on, on this early-in-life testing with, with so much uh, capacity of remediation, you know. And then the second thing is, and uh, we have uh, made a suggestion, Terry, that the, this, in administering vaccinations to everybody on a one-size-fits-all is just not the way to go. We we respect the parents' decision to not vaccinate, but we demand, and I, we we need a groundswell of support from the people uh, that the government develop programs of testing newborns for their capacity to tolerate an immunologic load, and and by looking specifically at the liver, uh, and so we would have a specialist uh, that would be trained, especially in medical school, to look at the immune system of the developing newborn. The Institute of Medicine recommended that we do that, one of the reports, and not let that needle enter any child that is not suitable immunologically to take that load. And then finally, of course, um, we, we want to talk about the ability of the, when the liver is congested, the mother's liver, the baby's liver, you know, that um, that the, uh, the the regimen that's proposed by Dr. Cabot in, in her books and that we espouse in Chapter 6 of our book be implemented and be followed because it is certainly very effective. It can reverse things and it can make a world of change. Well, thank you for helping propose that world of positive change for uh, babies both born and unborn. And again, where can listeners look for further information or order your book? Well, they certainly can look onto the website, which you have very well described. They can uh, www.autismatabbasplace.com. The book is available on Amazon Books. Very soon it's going to be available as an Apple uh, iBook for, for everybody the world over. And um, they can also just even call the clinic. And I would like to say that this I would like to thank you and everybody for helping get the word out because this is such an important matter and especially it is such a, a conversation, a, such a possibility of hope that I, I feel that it is my duty, my privilege, and my life and that's, why, that's how I intend to spend my time. Well, thank you, Dr. Anderson, for sincerely caring for children and for being with us today. You're welcome. And to our listeners, don't forget to check out the Early Bird Low Low Special Membership price of $25 and come to the Autism One Conference in May for over 100 speakers over a period of five days, including Robert F. Kennedy, Jr., five days of sessions, over 100 speakers, RFK Congressional Panel, Celebrity Panel, and much more at the Autism One Conference in May, www 
www.autismone.org. Next week, Dr. Mary Joanne Lang talks here with Dr. Dan Burns on adult communities. We want to thank this program sponsor, Humpback Series of Miller, Missouri. They can be called at 417-848-7570. Camel's milk is not the same as cow's milk. Uh, you can also check out the picture of the cow at the Autism One website and give it a click. And we want to thank our listeners for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.